He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Right now we've got a, everyone's got on gumboots uh, and or booties, like uh, dive booties because you're going to get wet out there. Most of us have on either shorts or um, like, like kind of wetsuit bottom pants or the, the most fantastic hunting and fishing pants because they're warm and, uh, and can soak up the water real easy. I let they quick drying. I'm here at Waihee Estuary to learn more about a restoration project that combines Western science and Matauranga Māori. For years, local hapū, Ngāti Whakahemo, have seen firsthand the declining ecological state of the estuary, and it's down to what's happening on land. Forestry, dairy farming and horticulture has put pressure on the water catchment, but the estuary is also a mahinga kai. Tuangi or cockles is a popular food source here, but it's under threat. Dr Kura Paul Burke is determined to find solutions through restorative actions. So today we're going to go out to, it's low tide, and we're going to go out and do some tuangi or some cockle survey so we can go back to the marae and tell our whanau um, where the cockles are, how many are there and the sizes of them too. Transit line. Okay. PhD student Megan Ranapia leads the karakia. So when we survey our nana, we're just going to run a transect um, parallel with the shore and we're going to place down quadrats in five metre intervals and just record cover of the nana just to understand sort of the, the abundance of it and the current state of the nana. Yeah, so what we can see in front of us is actually the, the fonds, I guess, of the, the nana. Um, it's compared to other beds, this one's probably a bit more sparse, um, but it's still awesome to see that it's still present in the estuary, which is very cool. As we walk and chat along the shoreline, the nana is plentiful. It kind of looks like floating blades of grass. The tuangi like to live generally around around the periphery, like on the edges of the nana, because the um, the water quality is better, the kai is better, and it's more plentiful. Because the nana also brings in lots of other species who like to hide in it, live off it, etc. So it's a good place for tuangi to hang out because, um, assumingly, they have good kai. We walk about a hundred metres up the shoreline. Megan Ranapia, Nick Chalmers and Te Aamai Paul Burke measure up a space along the surface. So what we're going to do now is we're going to put down a quadrat and all a quadrat is is a square and, um, and it's the size of a, a quarter of a metre, so 0.25 metre square and then the quadrat we're going to put down um, at the 5 metre mark and then we're going to identify, we're going to look at the seagrass or the nana just to see the state of it first. What we can see just on top of the, of the mud or the sediment is that we've got a, quite a number of tuangi of different sizes, mainly small. We have other predatory um, shellfish like uh, this little, it's called a zikamantis and it munches out on heaps of stuff. Uh, we're also looking at um, our nana to see how long are the 
the blades of the nana and how and a potential how many of them are in our little um, quarter meter square. Megan then takes a sample using the core cylinder and it's not as simple as it looks. We're pushing it into into the soft mud. Um, it's quite hard work because if a shower showers or anything gets in the way, it's hard to push it down. And then we're going to bring it up and we should have a good 20 centimetres of mud and then we're going to push that mud into a sieve and we're going to wash away all of the paru, all of the mud or the sediment and to see what's left behind and that will help us to better understand um, where our tuangi are, how many, but more important, equally as important, their sizing. Right, right. So the tuangi we see on the surface actually differs to the one below? One. Yeah, because uh, like tuangi like to borrow. Ah, yes. Um, and so what we want to know is like how many are, are there that we can't see? <laughs> so we've put the um, we've tipped the sediment or the the mud into uh, a sieve, and then we've taken the sieve to the water to the estuary in the estuary, and just washed all that mud away, all that sediment away. And now we're going to go and count and measure um, how many tuangi we have. Kapai tēnā koe kura. So basically we're just, we're just sorting out the, the tuangi into various size classes and it gives us an indication of if there's like recruitment which is good, good to know if the site's still recruiting juvenile tuangi um, and just get an, an, an understanding of sort of the, the size of the tuangi as well. Did you say recruitment? Recruitment. So, Re- <laughs> yeah, recruitment of tuangi. So um, if there are baby tuangi coming into the area or into the estuary still. So if you get different size classes, that's actually a good indication that they're still breeding and that they're still settling in the harbour, which is what you want. <laughs> See if there's any little ones. So yeah, you can get them a bit smaller than that. Well, they're tiny. You can even get them probably a tenth of that size. You need a kind of a good good eye for it. Wow. It's like the size of a pea. <laughs> yeah. A rice grain. A rice grain. Yeah. Rice grain. Tuangi, the ones you may find in a supermarket or the ones that I've had the pleasure of eating, are a bit larger, maybe twice the size of a $2 coin. So to see this rice grain sized tuangi is pretty awesome. Again, the nana or seagrass plays a major part in the health of tuangi. So we need our, our seagrass, our nana. Uh, we need it not only for um, tāmuri, for snapper, but also for terakihi, as well as all our shellfish like tuangi um, and further up the estuary like our pipi, etc. Do we get um, titiko out here? Um, uh, so titiko are disappearing everywhere uh, around. Um, Same with tauranga. And like, uh, yeah, all around. So, but uh, we actually, as part of our mahi here, we've come across um, titiko and we'll go and map them uh, soon, do mataranga mapping, talking to the old people first, and then we'll go out and do what we're doing here with the tuangi. So, just to explain, titiko is a mud flat snail. My family and I used to gather and eat these all the time in my childhood. 
but it's been years since I've had one. Tetical beds, certainly the ones that I know of in Tauranga, have declined. The research project Tafaro Tia Te Wahapu or Waihi, led by Dr Kura, involves tohu surveys, or understanding the connection between the water, the marine life and birds. Ngāti Whakahemo recognised the toria bird, or the oyster catcher, as one of those tohu. Now these birds love to feast on tuangi and other small fish. So basically, if the toria bird is around, then for them, it's kai time. In fact, on the morning of my visit to the estuary, Megan Ranapia and her friend Nick Chalmers had been out studying the toria. We scanned the area and did um, counts of the toria. So there's two types. There's the variable toria, or oyster catcher, which is the full black one, and then the pied, which is the black and white one. And then once we do a scan, we also look for other bird species present in that area. And then after that, we do a focal follow or what we call atatitiro. So we pick one of the toria birds and then we just record their behaviours within a five-minute um, count. And we're recording things like probing and pecking, so um, their handling of prey or prey interactions, also interactions with um, their other bird species or the same species, uh, and also just general behaviour like walking, preening and things like that. Yeah. What can you surmise from your observations afterwards? Like, What kind of period are you looking at observing the tortia? So what we've noticed is tortia feed, well when they feed it's very tide dependent so they, they strike during the low tide which follows uh, a, a whakatauki. Ka whatitetai, ka pao te tortia. Uh, so this whakatauki uh, talks about the tortia striking when the tide or the, the water retreats and we actually noticed that during our surveys um, that they actually are very tidal dependent in terms of their feeding and so their numbers increase and their activity increases and because Waihi Estuary um, it kind of just does what it wants so it actually took a while for the tide to retreat but the tori actually knew exactly when to come which was very cool to witness, yeah. Dr Kura Paul Burke describes this research project as a restoration action plan. The Waihi Estuary covers an area of just over 3.3 kilometres and some of the neighbouring canals contribute to its decline. The four main awa or freshwater contributors are the Pokehina, the Pongakawa, the Kaikokopu and the Farere canals and their canals. That means that they have been straightened. Once upon a time they would like uh, meander, like S-shape, mm. down the down the whenua to the estuary. And when the rivers S-shape or meander, each time the water goes on a turn, some of the sediment falls out and the paruparu falls out and stays at that turn. So by the time it gets to the estuary, the water is not as polluted as it could be. So when you straighten the rivers and make it a straight canal, it just goes straight from the land, gushes straight into the estuary. There's no filter or sieve or anything to protect the estuary. Hence the name, Tafarotia, protect our estuary. Tēnā koe, Dr Kura Paul Burke, and we heard from PhD student Megan Ranapia. A shout out to the rest of the research team at Te Amai Paul Burke, Nick Chalmers, and Joe Burke. The project is supported by Our Land, Our Water, and led by Terunanga o Ngati Whakahimo.
This episode was produced by me, Justine Murray, with help from Claire Kincannon. Sound engineer was Phil Benj, and the executive producer of podcasts and series is Tim Watkin. Check out rnz.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Nei rā te mihi mai o hā kua whakarongo pīkari mai ki te ao, huri hanga, kia pai tō wiki.